Today I want to talk about baptism and share with you some things that I've learned recently. Uh, Heavenly Father, we want to uh, follow you, to obey you, to take seriously what you teach us. Um, I pray that if there's somebody who needs to understand uh, baptism or who needs to be baptized into Christ, that this will be a day that they would hear you and be encouraged to obedience. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Is it important that we be baptized? The Bible tells us that we're saved by grace through faith. And there's a debate inside Christianity. Uh, you know, the, some would say, uh, well, baptism is really important. And others would say, uh, baptism is a good thing to do, but God knows who's going to be saved. And so if you're not baptized, he knows you're going to be saved. And baptism isn't, isn't therefore uh, necessary for salvation. You just need to pray a prayer. In fact, there are some people that are so stuck on that theology, they go out of their way to minimize baptism. I think because often well motivated, they're afraid that people are going to see baptism as a work for salvation. I think the first question we need to ask is, what does the Bible say? And then a really important question to ask is, not what do 21st century or 20th century or 19th century theologians say, but what do the first century leaders say in practice? What about the second century, third century, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh century? It seems to me that those who are closest to the teaching and the closest to the original teachers would probably have a more accurate, the most trustworthy understanding. Well, Jesus commanded his followers before he left the earth, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to be obedient in everything. Uh, and the first day of the church, the first time the question was asked, what do we need to do to be saved? The first answer that was given was, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. By the word, that word, by the way, that word in Greek, ice, means the, the effect will be for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of the church, the Bible and church history teaches us that obedience to baptism was the first step after surrendering to Jesus Christ. Justin Martyr wrote the clearest account of first and second century worship and teaching uh, about worship in um, th that we have in, 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 in that we have that it's known. He wrote, "This is what happened." He said, "New believers were instructed first to fast and to pray. Then they are brought, I'm quoting, then they are brought by us where there is water and they then receive the washing with water. Quoting the Bible, he adds, we have learned that from, from the apostles for this reason, this reason for baptism, in order that we may obtain in the water remission of sins. Those aren't my words, those are Justin Martyrs from uh, the second century. Tertullian, 2nd century church father, wrote, Happy is our sacrament of water, meaning baptism, 
in that by washing away our sins, the sins of our early blindness, we are set free and admitted into eternal life. Tertullian actually connected baptism with the place of receiving forgiveness of sins. The act of baptism, he added, is carnal, physical, in that we plunge in the water, but the effect is spiritual in that we are freed from sin. Again, that's Tertullian. That's not a 20th century or 19th century. It's not me. That's Tertullian, 2nd century church father. 4th century church leader, Cyril of Jerusalem. I have a friend, uh, I coached a boy one time whose name was Cyril, and his dad said, you know, I named him after Cyril of Jerusalem. Um, Anyway, Cyril wrote, Baptism, the, great is the baptism that lies before you, a ransom to captives, a remission of offenses, a death to sin, a new birth to the soul. Again, Cyril saw baptism as the transaction moment. St. Augustine, you've probably heard his name, said we are joined with Christ in baptism. I'm sure he's referring to Galatians chapter 3, what the Apostle Paul wrote. He continued, the salvation of man is affected in baptism. That was St. Augustine. The the, the salvation of man is affected in baptism. You think he thought baptism was important? Thomas Aquinas is another familiar name. His Summa Theologia is, uh, Theologica is, um, you know, one of the, you know, primary uh, resources, texts for theology these days. He said, it is manifest that, this is Thomas Aquinas, it's manifest that no one can obtain salvation except through Christ. Without baptism, there is no salvation for men. Now, these are not people who believed that you're saved by works or that you're not saved by grace. They just understood what was practiced in the first set by the by the church of the apostles what was taught by the apostles because what the apostles were taught by christ some object i thought were saved by grace through faith i thought were saved by you know faith only or grace only it's true nothing can earn salvation baptism is not a work that because you're baptized somehow you know you have to go to god and say hey you owe me salvation because you owe me heaven because i did this work um, it is not a work that is you know uh meritorious that that, that that earns salvation but it's an action of receiving salvation you see there's a difference between the giving of a gift and the receiving of a gift i love the illustration of the from the 18th century where there was there were actually two men who uh, who, who robbed a bank and they were convicted and um, sentenced to death. The one man went ahead, they carried out his sentence, but the other man was um, had more sympathetic people in this who had actually connections with President Andrew Jackson. And they appealed to Andrew Jackson that he would pardon this man. And so Andrew Jackson wrote a pardon for this convicted criminal. Um, but he refused the pardon. He refused to accept the pardon. Now, why he would do that, who, who knows? But the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. You know, if he's been pardoned, can he refuse the pardon? And Justice John Marshall, I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing here, but Justin's, Justice John Marshall, you know, Marshall 
some people we have some friends who live in Marshall here in Virginia named after him but John Marshall said uh, a pardon basically is a two-party um, uh, transaction there's the offer and there's the reception if it is not received then it's null and void this man must die he's re he's rejected it he won't receive it this man must die now he didn't earn the pardon there's nothing he did that made him worthy of the pardon but he still had to receive the pardon there's a difference between the offer of grace the offer of faith and the reception of the gift and one of the cool things about baptism is that when you are baptized into Christ, you're joining 20 centuries of Christians who have received Christ in this way. Again, some hesitate. This is humiliating. It doesn't make sense. Again, baptism can't be that important. Well, the apostle Paul said, when you're baptized, it's a benchmark. You are clothed with Christ. See, God gives us baptism for our good, I think not for his. He knows our need for an expression, our need for a transitional moment. Just like we have graduation services for kids who are graduating, just like you have marriage ceremonies for people who are being married. I mean, the education is really important and what you do with the education is really important, but there's something significant about, about, that, uh, about that ceremony that we need. And I think God knew that we needed a significant ceremony where we could express our faith as a whole person. So Romans 6, 4 says, we're baptized with him, we're buried with him by baptism into death so that we too may walk in newness of life. It's a symbol so we can have a clear conscience. 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience toward God. However, even if we don't understand all the reasons for baptism, you sh we should be baptized. You know why? Because God is still God. And because no matter how many, of, no matter how well you understand baptism, you, there's always more to understand. You know what you need to understand before you're baptized? You need to understand that you're, you're a sinner separated by, from God by sin. That Jesus Christ came and he died for you in your place to pay the price that when you were declared guilty, Jesus went to the cross and took your guilt so you could be declared righteousness with his righteousness. That's what you need to understand. Um, and you need to be able to articulate it, but basically you need to send your sinner, Jesus Savior, and you want to accept his salvation and walk with him in new life. And you continue to grow and you continue to learn I love the Old Testament story about the impressive general named Naaman. In 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman is a big deal in Syria. He's a general. He's an important man for the king. He's a commander of the king's armies, valiant warrior, highly regarded by the people, and even highly regarded by God because God, it says, has given him victory over victory. Naaman is a very good man, but Naaman also had a terminal disease. He was a leper. Naaman heard there was this prophet in Israel, this prophet of God who had the power to heal Elisha. 
And so he drove with his impressive entourage all the way to Elijah, Elisha's house, Elisha, I'm sorry, to ask for healing. It's kind of funny, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you will be clean. Now, Naaman was a very good man, but he was still a very proud man. It says Elisha didn't come to him personally. He sent a messenger to him. And Elisha didn't say, give some great gift. Do some great thing to earn it. He just said, go wash in the Jordan River. Verse 11 says, but Naaman got angry and said, I was telling myself, he will surely come out. See, this didn't fit Naaman's understanding of how things should be done. It just didn't seem right. It didn't make sense to him. Surely he would come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord, do some dramatic thing. His God, just all you need, he needed to do was call in the name of the Lord, right? And wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. But aren't these rivers in Damascus better than the waters, all the waters in Israel? Couldn't I have washed in them to be clean? And so he turned and left in a rage. He says, if water could heal me, I could have bathed in Damascus. I'm not going to do it. And so he heads off in a huff, holding strongly onto his pride and his dignity and his leprosy. A humble servant girl came to him and said in verse 13, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you, wash and be clean? In other words, when he just tells you to do something that doesn't make sense and is not so dramatic. Verse 14, so Naaman went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, according to the command of the man of God. I always I often wondered what was going on in Naaman's mind when he came up every time. <laughs> you know, it goes down once, he's not clean. Twice, not clean. Three times, not clean. Fourth time, nothing's changing. His baptism was a test of faith. But then he came up the seventh time and it says then his skin was restored and he became like the skin of a small boy and he was clean. Naaman had a hundred reasons why dipping in the Jordan River seven times made no sense. Only one reason to do it. It was the command of God. Anyone need to connect with Naaman Anyone identify, you're, you're kind of impressive. Maybe you have an impressive position. You have an impressive past. You have an impressive bank account. You're connected. You're a leader. You're dignified. And, but you know underneath your veneer that you need to be made clean. Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And if Jesus would ask you to do some impressive thing, you would have done it. Give $10,000 to the poor, you would have done Serve the poor for two years, you would do it. Stand in front of people and make a presentation, you would even do that. But Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Baptism is a wonderful gift of God. We dare not overstate its importance, as some have done, where they just 
baptize people and they put their faith in baptism to save them. There's no faith in Christ. There's no continued relationship. It's just, well, I, I was dunked one time or I'm going to get dunked and, and that'll save me. Oh. But what a wonderful thing for us to be able to treat baptism as it deserves to obey. There's a book out that I've read. Maybe you want to read it by Jack Cottrell. It's called Baptism, uh, Zwingli or the Bible. For 1,500 years, the teachings of baptism were all the same. People believed Christians, the church, church leaders taught not a legalistic approach to baptism as though baptism itself saves you without Christ, but the proper approach to baptism, which is, it is, it is the proper response to the question, what do I need to do to be saved? All of that changed when Zwingli came around and quite frankly, because he was in arguments with some people who disagreed with him and because of his theology, because he was trying to justify um, infant baptism and even because he was had this theology that says God knows who's going to be saved and if God knows who's going to be saved then baptism can't be important can't be necessary and Zwingli himself there, I'm not going to read the quote but Zwingli himself actually said I know this is not what has been taught for 1500 years but all those people were wrong but so many people today have followed Zwingli's reasoning because of a theology that developed actually in the 15th century um, that changed the historic teaching of the, uh, on baptism. There's a little history you may or may not care to. So, anyway, the, the book by Jack Cottrell called Zwingli, or called Baptism Zwingli or the Bible, you may find interested to read whatever the case let's let's just exalt christ and encourage people to accept him by grace and be baptized heavenly father we thank you again that we can trust your word we want to say nothing more than you have said but nothing less we don't want to rationalize away your teachings um but i pray that people would see that each of us would see who Jesus is and the amazing thing of grace and the gift that you have given us in the waters of baptism. Through Christ we pray. Amen. If you want to be baptized, if God is calling you to, if you haven't done that yet, then please reach out to us at the church. Um, email us. Um, call us 703-222-8836 and, uh, and we would love to answer your questions and, uh, and, and participate with you, encourage you with, in the waters of baptism. Until next time.